Good morning, International Christian Fellowship online campus. You see, I have this sign that says smile because today is a great day for you to smile and remember that God has a great word for you. We're so glad you decided to join our service online. I pray that you'll enter into worship. I pray that you'll receive from the ministry of the word. And in the end, I pray that you will make a new commitment for this week and the coming weeks that you will follow the Lord, you will listen to the Lord, and you will live for him with a smile on your face. Enjoy the service. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Welcome again to Rome ICF on Marathon Sunday. <laughs> and I know that everyone had trouble finding a parking place, but um, I don't know about you, but I, I ran my marathon early this morning, about an hour before I woke up. <laughs> And, uh, and I feel good. How many are happy to be in the house of God today? Again, I just I want to say thank you for the invitation to be here. I've enjoyed my time so very much. And um, um, uh, we just appreciate so much uh, Pastor Jennifer and her leadership and all the teams that <clears throat> have helped. Uh, I mean, everyone has just made my stay so wonderful and helped me with every little detail I deeply appreciate your love here. But it's great to be in the house of God and to serve Him <clears throat> and to uh, follow His plans for us. And um, the theme this year, um, or this month actually, is do a good job, and it's found in Colossians 4.17. We talked a little bit about this last week, but, but uh, specifically last week we talked about Archippus, who it says here in uh, Colossians 4.17, See to it that you complete the work that you received in the Lord. And so our challenge last week was to complete the work and do a good job. This week, um, we want to make the statement personal. Um, we want to make it, instead of Paul writing to Philemon and, and uh, the, the church at Colossus and specifically naming Archippus, I want to make this personal today. I, I want us to think in terms of not, I mean, Archippus is mentioned two times in the New Testament, and a little bit of an obscure person there, uh, went on to be a great man of God uh, in, in, in his time, but, but um, he's talking to Archippus, but really what he's talking to is to us. Paul is speaking to us on a more of a personal level. So the, the th whole theme this year, complete in him, is not about those people, but it's about us. Amen? And aren't you thankful that God is concerned about this generation, about who we are, and even more importantly, how you are as a person? So let's make this personal. So let's just stand together. Would you just stand with me just for a moment? And the scripture says, tell our chip a seat to it, that you complete the work you've received in the Lord. Now, I want us to say this together, except I want you to say it, instead of saying Archippus, put your name there, okay? And I'll say it like this. For me, my name is Tom, and, uh, and Paul is writing to me, and he's saying, tell Tom, see to it that you complete the work that you've received in the Lord, okay? So let's say it together, and I'll say Tom, and you say your name, okay? Let's say this together. It says... Tell Tom, see to it that you complete the work you have received in the Lord. Amen? Lord, thank you that you've called us 
Thank you that you have helped us. Even as we sung this morning, you've made it possible for every detail in our life to be resolved and helped. We pray today in the name of Jesus that your spirit will touch us. Help us to see you today. Help us to allow your spirit to touch our hearts so that we can do what you've called us to do and be what you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. To be complete in him, we have to let God have access to our life. I know this is a little bit basic. You might think, well, you know, I already knew that. But, but we have to continually, every day, open our heart to him to allow his spirit to wash us and touch us so that we can be complete in him, um, so that he can complete the work in our life and develop the character that God has for us on a personal level. Um, he does this in many ways. Um, one of the ways is uh, a doctrine called sanctification, which simply means to be separated. <clears throat> Jesus, in Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17, uh, verse 17, it says, Sanctify them by the truth, your word is truth. So sanctification becomes a, a real important part to us if we're going to be disciples of Jesus because um, sanctification means that we set ourselves apart from him. And here in this, in John 17, it's the word is uh, uh, sanctified by the truth, your word. And, and Jesus being the living word is truth. And then another way that, um, that uh, growth uh, in the Lord happens is by the fruit of the spirit, which happens by uh, uh, John 15. John 15, 5, it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And this whole chapter is about being in the vine. And before uh, he said that, he had said, verse 1, I am the true vine, the Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so it will even be more fruitful. <laughs> How many want to be more fruitful in your walk with God? Let me see your hands. <laughs> so that means then that we are inviting pruning. Um, one of my hobbies is a, a gardener. I, I like to garden. Um, I love to grow roses. And uh, the pruning process makes the plant stronger. It makes it better. I lived in Florida for many years, and, and I, I just love to grow uh, trees, crepe myrtle trees. I would, I would uh, cut them and, and plant them. Uh, it's a funny thing about a crepe myrtle. You can, it, in the spring, you can cut a, a branch off and just stick that branch in the ground, and it'll grow. If, if it's damp, if, if it's a little bit rainy, sunshiny. It's just amazing how that happens. And then in February, if you don't cut off the ends of the branches, then it's not going to do very well. But if you do, then the the tree broadens out. It becomes a beautiful, and there's all sorts of colored blooms that happen on crepe myrtle trees. But if you don't prune it, it's wimpy. And there are many people who don't let the Lord prune their life or trim them or show them a better way 
the pruning process is very important in our discipleship growth. And, um, and in order for the fruit of the Spirit to really grow in our lives so we can be complete in Him, the pruning process is necessary. And sometimes it's not very pleasant. Smile. <laughs> it's not real pleasant, but we know that it's necessary. And we know that the Lord is with us and He's helping us, and we're going to bear much fruit. But what we really want the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It says, Against these things there is no law. James 1, uh, uh, verse 2 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I don't know about you. I don't like, I don't like this, this pruning idea, but I do want to be complete. I want to be strong. I want to be ready for what God has for me. I want him to use me in uh, whatever way he chooses. So I want to be strong and I want to develop the character that he has uh, for me. So before I go any further, I want to ask how, uh, well, how, uh, you, you might ask, how can I have joy and go through trials at the same time? And I'm telling you that it's focus, it's fixing our eyes on Jesus, seeing the finished product. It helps us to be able to endure any kind of pruning or any kind of difficulty or any kind if we keep our eyes focused. Hebrews 12 2 says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 11 in that chapter says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. The joy in suffering is not that there is pleasure in being abused and subjected to pain, but it is knowing that in God's time, we will share in his holiness and grow to be like him. Fruit-bearing involves cross-bearing. The Bible has some beautiful promises that become ours only through suffering. In other words, allowing him to prune our plant, our life, so that the fruit of the Spirit will grow. Um, and this is what makes us complete in him. I um, met a guy a few years ago who was a recruiter for uh, a big company. I, I forgot. I think he worked for several companies, and at the time, I think he was working with the Ford company. And... Um, he was a recruiter for people for working in the company. And he said that companies are looking for people with qualities that emulate the fruit of the Spirit. In, in his work, in his process of recruiting people for, for the, the multinational corporations, they wanted people who had the fruit of the Spirit at work already in their lives. And so even though we might go through a pruning process as we bear fruit, we become more, become more and more valuable. 
The need for both the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit, however, are important to us. The, the, the fruit of the Spirit are the things that just grow in our lives as we follow the Lord. He develops character. This character is the fruit of the Spirit. But also at the same time, he had told the disciples, it's good that I go, because if I go, I will send the counselor to you. And the Holy Spirit came, and the gifts of the Spirit then become dominant. And so there are gifts of the Spirit that just kind of happen in the, in the moment of need, and there are the fruit of the Spirit that just grow in our lives. And the truth is we need both things. Um, and it's illustrated best, I believe, uh, when uh, Moses was, uh, when the Lord directed Moses to direct the people to put together the tabernacle from the, the implements in, the, in the, uh, the Holy of Holies, the Ark of the Covenant, the altar, the, the lampstand and all that, even down to the robe that the priests wore. And at the base of the robes, were um, Exodus 28, verse 31, it says, Make the robe of the ephod entirely of blue cloth with an opening for the head at, the, at its center. There shall be a woven edge around the collar at its opening so it won't tear. But make pomegranates of blue, purple, scarlet yarn and hem them in the robe with golden bells between them. The gold bells and the pomegranates are alternate around the hem of the robe. And so this is an illustration of what we need, an, uh, an illustration that the pomegranates represent the fruit of the Spirit and the bells represent the gifts of the Spirit. And the priests bore all of them. Now, I had a friend in, when I was in Bible school that said, uh, you know, I really would like to be a Christian, but I can't because there's one verse in the Bible I just can't seem to, to fathom. I can't understand it. And so in the conversation, I said, well, what's that verse? He said, he said, the Bible says that the meek shall inherit the earth. And, you know, I just, I don't think I can believe that. And Psalm chapter 37, verse 11 says, but the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Matthew 5, 5, it says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. This illustrates to the, the importance of the fruit of the Spirit. My, my friend was looking at the fruit of the Spirit, and he was saying, yeah, but meekness, I don't, I, I don't know. The, the world can't function. If the meek will inherit the earth, I just, it doesn't, because it's, it's, it's the way the world runs is that the powerful take it by, by force. The powerful run the world. But the Bible says the meek will inherit the earth. And so we have this misunderstanding of what meekness is about and some of the fruit of the Spirit. We just don't fully fathom how they work. But meekness is not weakness. So, uh, Proverbs 15, 18 says, A hot-tempered man stirs up dissension, but a patient man calms the, calms the quarrel. In other words, uh, a person with the fruit of the Spirit at work in his life is really a peacemaker and a person who brings people together and when he allows that to happen. So the Bible teaches us that the, that the meekest man ever to live was Moses. And you might, we might wonder, well, how was the character quality of meekness developed in his life? Although he didn't enter the land, I mean, he had gotten upset, and, and so he wasn't allowed to enter the promised land, but he was able to see it, 
But yet the Bible says that Moses was the meekest man on earth, a very powerful individual, but it operated through his gift of meekness and through the gift that God had developed in his life, the fruit of the Spirit. So a brief history this morning of Moses, I'd like to just give you four thoughts this morning that relate to Moses, how he became the great leader he was, how God developed this concept of meekness, the fruit of the Spirit, how the Lord pruned him, how the Lord developed growth, and these, these uh, uh, thoughts will help us understand the fruit of the, beers, the, the Spirit so that we can be complete in Him. Amen? Amen? Number one, born to be a leader, the deliverer of Israel. Moses was born to be the deliverer of Israel. Um, Exodus 1.8 says, that, Then a new king who did not know Joseph came to power in Egypt. Look, he said, his people, the Israelites have become too numerous for us. And so verse 11, Exodus 1.11, they put slave masters over them to oppress them and with forced labor, and they built Pithom and Ramses as store cities for Pharaoh. In other words, the Israelites had become so powerful or so numerous in Egypt that the, the Pharaoh uh, that didn't remember the great things that Joseph had done, how he had literally saved Egypt from being uh, starved to death, how he, he had saved them, and he, he forgot the blessing that they were. And so there were rules towards the Is Israelis, the, the, the God's people, the, the Jews in Egypt. And so Pharaoh put restrictions on them, and he says uh, to the, um, he says that, uh, Exodus 1.16, when you help a Hebrew woman in childbirth, he's talking to the, uh, the women who, the, mid, the midwives, he says, observe if they're uh, the, the, a girl or a boy. If it's a boy, kill him. If it's a girl, let her live. But the midwives, it says, verse 17, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. And so there were Pharaoh's rules and there were also the midwives' rules. The midwives says because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. So Moses was born at a very difficult moment in time. All the boys were to be killed, and many of them, in fact, then died. Uh, Pharaoh ultimately said, just if, okay, if they're still living, then throw them into the, the river. So Moses was born, and, and his mom knew that he had a special calling on his life, as do all of us here in this room this morning, God has special purpose in our lives. And the enemy is saying, throw them in the river. The enemy's plans for us is not good, but God has purpose for us. And our father knows it. So Moses is born. His mom wants to spare his life somehow. She doesn't know for sure how to, but God directs her to make a little basket and make it so it'll float in the river. And she put it on the river, and his sister hid behind the, uh, uh, some cover there. And when the Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river, she saw Moses in this little ark, and uh, uh, he became her son. And Moses then, instead of being killed, grew up in the house of Pharaoh. Moses, the word means drawn out. And uh, 
Moses, Moses was born to be a leader, and in fact, he did become a leader, grew up in Pharaoh's house, had the best education that Egypt could provide. Uh, Josephus tells us that, that uh, uh, Pharaoh's daughter's name was Thermusus, and uh, uh, she adopted Moses to become the, 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 the ruler of Egypt when the Pharaoh died. And according to Josephus, Moses was put in command of the Egyptian army. He became a general in the army. And before he was 40 years old, he had gone to war and actually had led um, Egypt against the Ethiopians and conquered them completely. In other words, he was a general. He was a powerful leader in Israel. He was born to be a leader. Uh, But... God's ways are not our ways. Number two. <laughs> uh, and our biggest issue in life is that we try to be what we want to be versus what God wants us to be. Our ways are not God's ways. And so Moses um, observed um, an Egyptian uh, oppressing one of his brothers. And uh, you know the story no doubt that Moses took uh, revenge on this person and killed the Egyptian. And then the next day he saw two of his brothers that were fighting each other and he tried to bring peace to them and they suggested, well, are, are are you going to kill us because of what you did to the Egyptian yesterday? He was just trying to do good. He's trying to do the right thing and yet he knew that his deed had become known, and ultimately Pharaoh um, had put um, uh, 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 basically a contract out on his life. So Moses went through a disastrous life change. Verse 15, Exodus 2.15, Pharaoh heard about this. He tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh, went to live in Midian, Midian and there sat by a well, it says. Often, detours in our lives are not detours at all, but they're pruning, they're preparation for greatness. God has plans for us, and yet there is a detour in our lives. Sometimes it's not pleasant. Uh, I'm, I'm told that the average millionaire in the world today has filed bankruptcy three times. Some of the greatest inventors, uh, people like Thomas Edison, tried a thousand times to make a light work and ultimately made it so that we can have light. There was a, 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 um, a, a restaurateur, a person who developed restaurants, his name was Colonel Sanders. He, he um, developed the KFC chain, Kentucky Fried Chicken, but before he ever did, it wasn't until he was 60 years old that he really developed that and sold the patent, got a patent on it, and developed the concept of franchising fried chicken. And uh, he became uh, uh, a very wealthy person, but it, it, through his life, he worked as a gas station attendant. He worked as, a, as a, a steamboat captain. He worked in so many different areas, but over time, he developed these ideas that, that no doubt God had given to him. So Moses then has to run for his life and go to the, de- to the desert. He's now 40 years old before he ever gets to the desert. But when we, uh, number th- the point number three I want to make is that God is with us even in the desert. 
You, you might be going through a pruning, a difficult moment, but I want to let you know today that God is with us if we put our trust in Him. And as we trust in Him, there is growing that's taking place inside of us. The fruit of the Spirit are growing. He's trying to help us understand what loving is about, what meekness is about. And living in the desert, um, Moses, <clears throat> uh, Exodus 22, uh, verse 21, it says, Moses agreed to stay with the man who gave him his daughter Zipporah to Moses in marriage. And so Moses then became a shepherd in the desert. And uh, um, um, verse Exodus 3, 1, it says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and led the flock to the far side of the desert. And over this time, he had developed skills in no doubt in shepherding. I've often wondered what it would be like to have been a ruler in Egypt, a general in Egypt, and now because of a mistake I had made, run to the desert, and now I'm herding sheep in the desert. Well, what what would he, was he thinking? What was he going through? No doubt at moments he thought, boy, what a disaster my life is. I don't know if you've ever gotten to that moment, but there are moments in life when we think we've really um, made it so that God can't use us anymore. But the fact is God is, is um, developing our lives and developing fruit in our lives so that we can be complete in him. 3.1 says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, and during this long period the king of Egypt died. The Israelites were groaning in their slavery and calling out. And um, uh, uh, the, the, Moses was far off in the desert. But, but um, uh, as he was watching the sheep, he noticed, he noticed a bush on fire. Now he's been in the desert now about 40 years. He's 80 years old now. He sees this bush on fire. And Moses is, is anointed. He begins the calling that God has for him, the leadership of Israel. He's anointed to serve. He's now 80 years old. And it can be said that life is just starting for him. Um, and it's going to get exciting. You can see that the fruit of the Spirit are growing with time. He sees the burning bush. God calls out to him. He says, to take off your sandals, you're on holy ground. And God makes promises to Moses. He says, I'll be with you. And this is going to be a sign that you have given, uh, um, that, that I, I, I've sent you when you brought the people out of Egypt. You'll worship at this mountain. So Moses then goes back, and the Lord begins to lead. He's developed these, um, these gifts of the Spirit over this 40-year period. And now he's become a meek man. He goes back and to, uh, to Egypt. Exodus 3.21, it says, And I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed toward you. And uh, you're going to plunder Egypt. You're going to, to uh, allow, um, uh, 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 you're going to help the people get from Egypt to the promised land that I promised. Now, what does the what New Testament say about the development of patience? It says, Romans 5.3, it says, and not, not only so, but we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulations works patience. So through Moses' life, he's, he's anointed to serve. He's called up God. And he goes through uh, this difficult 
40-year period of his life. But then God raises him up, him, him up, not to be a military general, but to, to be a leader of people, to be able to get them from their place of bondage, Egypt, to their place of promise, the, the promised land or Israel. So God anointed Moses, but in the process changed him from a man who was a military general, a very assertive person, changed him into the meekest man on the earth. He was able to go, and through Moses' life then, he confronted Pharaoh. He, he confronted, even before Pharaoh, he confronted his own brothers, and, and the people of Israel, they began to follow him, but he confronted Pharaoh, and God, through him, did miraculous things to get people from um, the, um, uh, the, the, the land of Egypt into the land of promise. And then he led them through the wilderness, and God used Moses in a mighty way. But God has, has called us. He's given us purpose. Moses, his, his life, his purpose was to be a leader from the moment he was born. But he went through a long process of guidance. Our, he was born to be a leader, the deliverer of Israel, born with purpose. You're born to be a leader. He, was, he, 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 he realized that our ways are not God's ways. In your life, your ways are not God's ways. Oh, God is with us, even in the desert. In your life, God is with you. And Moses was anointed to serve. You are anointed to serve. If we allow the fruit of the Spirit to grow in our lives, God is going to use you in a mighty way. Will you submit to the pruning that has happened in your life, or will you resist it? I encourage you this morning, submit to let God have your life and lead your life, and the fruit of the Spirit are going to grow in your life. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your help to us. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you're your spirit will touch us, your people, in Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder if you'd stand with me as we close. Worship team, come. I know you have a song for us today. See, in the, 40, the first 40-year period of Moses' life, he was born to be a leader. He became a general. But then things took a turn. And um, uh, he began then the submission process. I, I want to encourage you this morning to allow God to have your life, that, that whatever comes to you, that He is going to use you, He's going to turn you into, the, the, allow the fruit of the Spirit to grow in your life. Father, today I just thank you for your people that are here today. Lord, I pray that your Spirit will minister your touch to us as we submit ourselves to you and give ourselves to you, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Pastor Jennifer, and I want to say to you, I'm so thankful that you were able to participate in the service today. 
And now is the time when we make a decision to pray. To um, It's a step of action that we take after hearing the Word of God. And so first and foremost, I want to invite you, if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, that right now today, you invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life. So I want you to pray with me, and then I want you to send me an email or a message that says, you know what, I'm making a new start with Jesus because of what I did today. So just pray with me right now. Dear Lord Jesus, you say it. Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you right now to come into my life, to forgive me of all my sins and disobedience to the Word of God, and Lord, take all of me, and help me to serve you in the days to come. From this day forward, for the rest of my life, I'm going to live for Jesus with the help of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I am so glad you prayed that prayer. And you know what? We don't live in private. We live in public. So tell somebody, you know what? I'm serving God now. I'm walking with Jesus now. Find someone who can help you on this new journey in this new season. Because even in new seasons and deeper walks with the Lord, we need each other. The second thing I want to say to you this morning is I know that there are many of you that are watching online that have burdens Maybe you're home because you're sick or you've had an unfortunate circumstance. And so today, I want you to know that we at ICF Rome are your church family and we're praying for you. And so right now, I'm praying that the God of heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit would come into that room and that place where you're watching and you would feel the miraculous working power of Jesus. I want you to know that the Lord is with you. You're not a alone, and he is going to help you and sustain you. I pray for those who are in need financially, that God will open the windows of heaven and begin to pour favor on your life. You'll see the answers to the prayers you've been praying. I pray for the miracle power of healing to flow in your body right now. If you're sick, I want you to touch your head, your heart, your lungs, the part of your body, and I want you to believe, as I'm believing with you right now, that the healing healing virtue of God would flow into your body. We have seen stage three throat cancer healed. We have seen COVID healed and gone and disappeared. So I'm praying today that your healing would manifest in Jesus' name. And I pray that this will be one of the best weeks you've had because you will know that the Lord is walking with you. I love you. I'm thrilled that you're a part of our online campus and we're praying for you. You send us a request. You send us a testimony so we can celebrate together. God bless you and have a wonderful